0: Hey, what's going on, everybody? We're back. It's your boy Ray here. I'm with my boy Lawrence. Welcome to the Sunday night edition of Patriots Outsider. Before we get started, I want to remind everybody to check out our Patreon page over at patreon.com slash DPN Sports. Connor and I will be on there recording after our nine o'clock show tonight. We'll be doing another exclusive live podcast. Well, you guys, it's not live. We record it and put it up, but... We're going to be talking about all the Patriots news of the day. You can check that over at patreon.com slash DPN Sports. Only 5 bucks a month, man. Hope you guys enjoy it. Make sure you check out our merch shop, and uh, we'll hit the ads for that after. But right now, Lawrence, man, welcome in. You guys always tell us that we are too biased here at Dear Pats Nation, so we bring in Lawrence. He's a Colts fan. He hates the Patriots, but he doesn't hate on the Patriots. So we bring him here to talk stuff. And, Lawrence, you're here on a good day because – the New England Patriots are trading their right tackle Marcus Cannon, freeing up an important 6.2 million dollars worth of cap space. Some people think it's around seven million, but he does—he is a part of the top 51 rule, so he is. There is some penalty into that. But I need to throw this out at you. So he made—they made the trade with the Houston Texans. Baker is basically Marcus Cannon, and then they swapped picks. The Patriots were the, went from the 120th pick to the 109, 158 to 147, 196 to 187. That's a lot of good draft capital moving up in the draft. Let me ask you this. Why would Houston make this move trading for what will be a 33-year-old right tackle by the time the season starts, giving up some of that draft capital? when they've already given up a lot of their top capital because of past regimes, why make this trade with the Patriots when it was pretty much everybody under the sun knew that New England was probably going to release Cannon if they couldn't find a trade suitor? What's in it for Houston?
1: Well, probably because Cannon might actually take up a little bit more money long-term if they had to sign him off the market. So uh, swapping their fourth, fifth, and sixth round picks with New England and in order to save up a little bit of money probably is the way to go in their current situation. Um, I actually I, I like this move by both teams. I really do. I think that um, I, I think that with Houston you could drop Cannon out there at right tackle and the guy that they already have there who's not too shabby already can get moved into right guard, you know, and that really helps them out tremendously, which means they, they really need to only fill one mother's position on that offensive line over there. And then of course, freeing up some cap space in new England and they're known for being able to churn out offensive linemen anyhow. So yeah, I think this is a great move. I mean, Cannon like opted out last year. Anyhow, didn't he?
0: He did, and you know, and he's been putting out his videos. He's been putting in the work and and whatnot. I'll tell you, be honest with you, I just found the move surprising because because they the we were all just waiting for Marcus Cannon to be cut. Like that was just we've all kind of been sitting around waiting for that moment to happen. So it was a little surprising to me to see Houston pick him up when there was an opportunity to try to pick him up in free agency. I, I like the move. You know, I think that considering most people believed that he was going to be, you know, sent away for nothing, we all kind of were accepting of that. I mean, you know, he is a part of the dynasty 2.0, I guess you could call it as another part of that regime falls. There's only a couple of those guys still available, but as a Patriots fan, I like the move and We tweeted it out on our on our Twitter page to ask people if they like it and everybody likes it. Let me just go through these comments quickly. Um our boy Ted says, Yes, I do. Rhino says yeah. Uh he had no clear role, was high it was a high cost. Uh Ross says, anytime you get value for a guy who is just going into free agency is a win in my books. No real complaints. I am who I am. Says, love this move. Frees up money for BB to go crazy in free agency. Hopefully, there's a chance to bring back Andrews and Tooney. Uh, I'll respond to that saying probably David Andrews. I doubt Joe Tooney will be signing with the Patriots. Um, You know, I can't read this name because they did it in the Cam Newton writing. <laughs> but... <laughs> Uh, something flowers says, uh, so I'm inferring that BB will spend straight cash, homie, on some folks out there. Uh, I get it that way, which uh, I don't have a complaint with, you know, Maverick says we got something for someone who was going to be cut anyways. It's a win. And, uh, my guy, Malachi sports lover said it's chess, not checkers. Jason Sullivan says, love it. As I didn't figure he'd be back retirement or cut. And that was my thought before the Brown accusation or acquisition, and VS3 says, love the move. So it looks like Patriot fans are all on board for it, and I don't see why anybody would have a problem with this move. It just makes total sense for the Patriots, right? Oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, um, the, you're going to be paying this
1: guy's guarantees. Anyhow, if there is any, uh, might as well get something out of them. The Texans, obviously, um, they wouldn't. they need offensive line help. Uh, you know, Titus Howard, he's a six, five, 325 pound offensive tackle. I believe he could move right into guard and play guard very well and have Cannon sit there at right tackle. So it, the move makes sense because if the Patriots released Cannon, there's no telling where he would have went or whether he would have retired or whatnot. The Texans at least have him now. Um, and obviously with the Patriots, uh, that's your meat and potatoes. I mean, right, right around in that general vicinity, maybe third, but you know, moving up into fourth, fifth and sixth rounds, that really helps you out, especially when you're Bill Belichick. So yeah, this, this move made sense in my opinion on both ends. And um, yeah, what in the world? I mean, I can't see anybody really complaining about it.
0: Yeah. And I really looked at this too. Like if, if the Patriots were, say, considering trading up for a quarterback, either Trey Lance or Mac Jones, which a lot of draft analysts are suggesting they may, having the third pick in the fourth, fifth, and sixth round, people don't understand. That's a lot of capital. Like that's a lot of draft capital, especially that fourth round. Obviously, you're going to be throwing in a first and something else, but that fourth could get you out of dropping off a third. You know what I mean? Like depending because mm-hmm. because their third is like the 96th overall. You're talking about what did I say? The hundred and hundred and That's actually not that big of a jump, so you could get out of having to give up that third-round pick and dropping that just your fourth. Um, It's crazy, but I want to start going to the comments a little bit. No one wrote, with all this save cap or cap space, just signed Joe Tooney to a two- or three-year deal. Uh, Belichick is holding the Pats back with his arrogance. (laughs) So Joe Tooney is slotted to be the highest paid offensive guard in the NFL. Um, Considering that and, and this is where I get, yeah, the word frustrated is, is the word um, with Patriots fans. So you save $6 million that puts your cap space probably up to about $62, 63000000 now without the Trent Brown and Cam Newton, or without the Trent Brown and uh, Justin Bethel contract. You need wide receivers. You need tight ends. You need a linebacker. You need a defensive tackle. You need an edge rusher. You need uh, secondary depth. Is making Joe Tooney the – and you need to re-sign David Andrews. Your center is also uh, a free agent now. So the offensive line does need work. People think the offensive line doesn't need work. It does because of right now the Patriots have Isaiah Wynn, Trent Brown, and Shaq Mason. That's it. When you talk about really formidable starters, they have three starters on the offensive line right now. Is it worth it for the Patriots to make Joe Tooney the highest-paid offensive guard in the NFL when you have to address all those other positions? Not, not when you got
1: that many other positions that need to be filled. I don't think um, it's just like you know I'm sitting over here you know looking at the Indianapolis Colts and yes we need a left tackle but I don't want to spend twenty million a year on Trent Williams you know that's just too much uh, especially when I got other positions I need to fill. Same with the the Patriots. I mean the Patriots have other positions they need to fill. Why spend that much money when you can get a quality guard? in the free agency right now for half as much or less than half as much, you know, because there are good guards out there. Yeah. Tooney is one of those guys that can move all the way across the line and play any position you need him to even, you know, tight end at times that I've seen, you know, or, or fullback. So yeah, I, I like Tooney. I think he's great. I would not pay him the money if I was the Patriots.
0: The way I looked at this move today, we were talking about it in our our Patriots group chat. And I said, so basically when you wrap up this whole week, the Patriots traded Marcus cannon for Trent Brown and a fifth round draft pick in 2022 and upgraded their draft picks for this season. So it was just a, basically a, a win all week. Right. Okay. Yeah. Sounds like it. Yeah. Like when you when I know it was two different moves, but when you just bring it all together, you swap cannon for a younger Brown, you know, and whatnot. Um, Light Shadows writes, Bill Belichick never gets the credit for his good moves as a GM. And we're all here about, all we hear about is when he misses on draft picks. And I'm not sure how much you deal with that, Lawrence, but that's what we deal with uh, as Patriot fans, um, from the, within the Patriots fan base (laughs) is Bill Belichick, the GM hurts Bill Belichick, the coach, Bill Belichick, the GM is an issue. Um, and the Boston media has been pounding that narrative the last month. Like, I mean, that they're going all in on it. Um, am wondering if, as an outsider, if you wanted to give some insight on what you see uh, from Bill Belichick, the general manager.
1: Well, this is how I grade a general manager. If you can get 40% of your picks to sign extensions, 40%, you're doing good. You're doing rather well. Now, is that top notch? No. Currently, like um, I think in the last... What three seasons? Uh, Chris Ballard's number one was 68% in the NFL. So that's the best GM when it comes to re signing his own guys, and then he gets 68%. So obviously, no one's getting 100%, 80%, even 70% of their picks continually going. Now, you do want to hit on the you know, your first and second rounds, and, and I, I understand that is an issue. But when you can get second, third, fourth rounders that are quality starters on your team on a consistent basis, that that speaks volumes as well, you know, for for a GM. And I, I'm noticing Belichick does a lot of damage in that in that two to four range. So,
0: yeah. So I would like to bring up the offensive line with with you for a second, mm-hmm. because the offensive line is something that. I learned by doing the podcast with you and, or you doing the, you know, working for Sportscaster with you and Joe as my partners. um, I learned that offensive linemen aren't a dime a dozen, you know, because I grew up in the New England system as a New England fan where, and I'm talking about going all the way back to the Parcell days, where just offensive linemen were a dime a dozen. Guys just, you know, if somebody left, you just, you just replaced them. Could you give a little bit of insight about how, because now that we're talking about Bill Belichick, the, the general manager, because I know people are looking at receivers. They're looking at tight ends, right? And and I think he gets too much criticism for tight ends considering he traded Rob Gronkowski, Aaron Hernandez, and Ben Watson. You know what I mean? Like, um, But can you talk a little bit about what the Patriots have done at offensive line for so many years? Well, it's about
1: evaluation, right? And not ev- everyone has a specific... Uh, position groups that they're very good at evaluating, whether it's they're already in the NFL or they're evaluating college for the draft. And Bill Belichick is just phenomenal at it apparently, uh, because every time he grabs an offensive lineman, it seems like that's the next guy that's going to make big money after his rookie contract with the Patriots is over with. So I, <laughs> that's something that other teams generally don't have. Um, They're for the longest time. You, you, you'll see I mean, if that was an issue, Kansas City wouldn't have problems right now if they could draft offensive line. They, that, that Super Bowl probably would have been a little bit different if Kansas City was able to draft offensive linemen very well. Um, it, same same situation with uh, before uh, Nick Casario goes over to the, the the Texans, right? They were awful at getting offensive linemen. The Bears, awful at getting offensive line. There's a lot of teams out there that wishes, wishes that their scouting team and GM were good at evaluating offensive linemen and able to get starters uh, out of nowhere because they know this guy, even though he's not blowing it up you know, um, during the combine or something like that, he sees what they're doing very well and knows that they are going to fit his system perfectly, just like a piece, and a puzzle.
0: The 2019 season and the the Marshall Newhouse experience is now I just learned to live. That's what I refer to that season as. Um, and watching this current year Super Bowl at the Kansas City Chiefs has given, and, and then after talking to you and Joe as well, this offseason when you guys were explaining to me that not not every team just gets offensive linemen. And I felt really kind of stupid at that point because to me they were always just a dime a dozen, right? Yeah. Um and I think that when I looked at it it was like I kind of turned around and, and thought man um we really have taken it for granted and I think that Patrick Mahomes when Patrick let's put it this way when Patrick Mahomes isn't enough to win you a Super Bowl right it shows you how important an offensive line really can be right. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah,
1: definitely. Um, especially when you're going up against a pass rush like what the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had in the Super Bowl. Uh, you knew, you know, Patrick Mahomes was going to be running for his life that game. I mean, walking into it, you knew he was going to. He didn't realize that it was going to happen instantaneously on most of the downs. As soon as the ball snapped, he's immediately, you know, running and looking over his shoulder. The, he had no chance. Um, yes, Tampa's got a good defensive front seven, but that offensive line, obviously th- they had a couple starters that were injured in that game. But, uh, when it came to the Patriots, they have a couple injuries at the starting position. They just had plug and play guys sitting in the back, you know, ready to move up next man up, you know, do your job situation. But Kansas city don't have that. And most teams don't have that.
0: I'm going to sound like uh, the biggest beggar right now, but I'm not. Ross, can you just try the super chat now? <laughs> Ross footers out a comment. The super chat wasn't working. I think I fixed it. Uh, it's, it's showing me on. Chat off. Uh, apparently I did. It's looking on my end that it's on. So I don't know. I don't know what's happening. Um, okay. So I want to, this was something I wanted to talk to you, or I was going to talk to Connor about tonight, but. Since the Marcus Cannon thing came up, I don't know if we're going to be able to get to it. But I threw out a question to uh, the Pat, or sorry, our Twitter account, threw out a question to Pat's Nation last night that said, agree or disagree? Curtis Samuel is a better fit for the Patriots than Kenny Galladay. And I said, leave a comment. Let us know what you think. Now, when I talked about better fit, I w- it's funny because I'd, after I wrote it, I wish I would have worded it differently. But... Everybody kind of got what I was saying anyways. So not just the, I wasn't just talking about the scheme fit. I was talking about a money fit, you know, when you're going through all that different stuff. And, uh, I was a little bit surprised. Almost everybody who responded to it responded that they would rather have Curtis Samuel over Kenny Galladay. I'll just share a couple of the responses. Maybe I won't go through all of them because there's a lot. But it says, agree. The Pat, the Pats don't usually uh, set the free agency market bar on any position. Galladay will most likely do that, do just that. It's more Belichickian to sign Samuel and someone else for the same uh, total price tag Galladay would fetch. Our boy Ross said, Curtis Samuel is definitely a dual-purpose weapon at 5'11", 195. He seems to be a half-wide receiver and half running back uh, from his film uh, this 24-year-old uh, shows the ability to go after contested balls and aggressively run after the catch. Truly an interesting option. Uh, Lucas says, or, uh, sorry, my Patriot says, money-wise, yes. Skill-wise, no. Michael uh, P- uh, Pierre says, uh, Samuel, he's multifaceted. Joe Agreed. Uh, Jason Sullivan says, honestly, I'm not enamored at all with Samuel. So a different one Galladay. I see as a low end wide receiver one or elite wide receiver two for reference. I see Will Fuller as a high end. Number two Samuel. Uh, I see as Percy Harvin Swiss army knife type, not a good receiver. So I'll be interested to see what you have to say about that. And then Maverick said, I could see Amari Rogers as a similar receiver than Curtis Samuel. I see Rogers in every Pats mock, so I'm I'm fine with drafting him. If we miss out on Curtis, I wouldn't mind Galladay, who's a bigger receiver than Myers and Curtis. Just depends on the route plan and going. So you actually did a film room for both these guys for us as well here on Dear Pats Nation. By the way, kudos to your uh, kudos to you on your uh, Jacoby Myers. It was probably the the it was. One of the most viewed, first of all, since we've done them, we finally hit the thousand view mark on them and, uh, everybody really liked it. And I was really excited because I've never heard you and all the ones you've done for us be this excited about a player. Cause frankly, you don't care right about mm-hmm. Patriots players. But, um, I got really excited when you came out and said that you see a third year, uh, you know, a breakout year in this third year. So I was super excited about that, but Curtis Samuel, Kenny Galladay, you did the film room on both. I know these are two guys you are very familiar with anyhow. When you think of the New England Patriots, you think of all their needs, you think of their cap situation, you think of all – you think of the scheme, the fit. If you are Bill Belichick and you can only sign one of them, who are you offering a contract to on Monday? See, that's a tough
1: decision because, in in, in all honesty, I think – Galladay will bring you a little bit more when it comes to what you need officially. You know, the big bodied wide receiver that can do the 50-50 catch balls on the outside. I think he's incredibly solid at that, but he doesn't get a lot of separation. Curtis Samuel gets tons of separation and he's going to be a lot cheaper, as you said. Um, I think Galladay is going to be pushing around 18 to 20 million. There you go. Looks like it's finally on. <laughs> um, sorry, I had to mention, I happened to see Ross's super chat. Uh, I, I think Galladay is the type of receiver that I think the Patriots need more, but I think Samuel could come in and make it very difficult for other teams to zone in on, uh, your other receivers on the Patriots to really lock down, especially the ones that I did the film room on, as I, as you were mentioning, uh,
0: Samuel makes more sense cap wise by far. So when you compare Curtis Samuel and Jacoby Myers, and I know two different wide receivers, two different, two different things. Do you see them being a good contrast together? If you were to go after Curtis Samuel, like, are those two guys can, because what we saw too is, I don't know if you saw this in the film, But as you get deeper into the season, teams started figuring out, okay, we need to take away Jacoby Myers, Mm -hmm. right? And his production dropped significantly, not to his own fault, but you could see they were like, okay, he's their only real offensive threat. So we need to take him away. You know, outside of our run game, obviously, we need to take him away. Can Curtis Samuel give him that separation? Or do they need to get like that big tight end as well to really have like a three-headed monster coming off the line? Oh my goodness, if
1: you can get another tight end to go along with Samuel, that'd be amazing. I think Samuel's that guy, actually, that can clear out the middle of the field, though, at a slot position and help Myers um, be more one-on-one rather than double-team, over-and-under. So, uh, yeah, I think Samuel would be great at doing that, especially if they're playing the same side of the field. Um, But, yeah, a tight end, another tight end. Whether, no matter who it is, you know, as long as they're they're a decent receiving tight end that can stretch the middle of the field a little bit. I don't care if it's Rudolph. I don't care if it's Ertz, whoever it is that you're looking at. Um, I think that would be a, a good
0: addition as well. They're now saying that the Eagles are looking for a third or a fourth for Zach Ertz. Yeah, they wanted two first for Carson Wentz too. <laughs> oh, <laughs> doesn't a, thir- a third or a fourth like a fourth no. round? No, you think less than a fourth for Ertz? Eh, I'm because overvaluing of, him
1: because of his age and his performance last year drops his, uh, in my opinion, his worth dramatically. I think I think you'll be lucky to get a fifth out of him. Really? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if. Uh, uh, someone ends up I, I would not be surprised if he's
0: traded and then uh before
1: the draft for a sixth round pick
0: hmm. um okay so I'm not sure if you watched my stream last actually no let me get to the super chat here sorry I try to get them as they come in so we don't miss them Ross uh when's the new logo going on a hoodie soon I promise you I, I got a bunch of things I promise I have I have a hoodie I need to make especially for or i need a shirt i have to make especially for tia who i promised i'd make the shirt i haven't got around to it yet we'll get it on soon i also got uh i've got a lot of requests for uh vegan vegan beef soup on a shirt um so we're trying to determine whether or not we want vegan beef soup on it but we're getting there it'll get there it'll be on sweatshirts hoodies mugs all that you oh i it. might
1: buy i might buy the vegan beef soup i love it that was, <laughs> that was so darn funny
0: it's uh, it's become a thing. It's it's always amazing to me what becomes a catchphrase mm-hmm. on this. You know, like "Dude, trust me" is a catchphrase here. Like it's right in my Twitter handle now. Like no sources, dude, trust me. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Um. And sorry, guys. I also will be doing this every single stream and show from now on. This is your daily reminder that football is a game. Football is entertainment. Football is, dare I say, fun. Don't take it too serious. Um. <laughs> I like to put out those daily reminders. Uh, so I put out a thing yesterday, or I did a show yesterday. I'm going to assume you didn't watch it because I assume nobody watches my show. Okay. No, actually, I know you do. You're actually a big supporter of the show, so I appreciate that. But ESPN put out their mock free agency. And, um, well, the Patriots won free agency if everything, you know, the way they they put it out. and But a part of me is wondering, like, you know, it also works when you take salary cap out of it and that kind of thing. But they predicted that the Patriots are going to sign Kenny Galladay, Johnu Smith, and Yannick, and you can say the last name for me because you know what N'gogwe. Butchery, N'gogwe, And Yannick Ngogwe. They're predicting the Patriots sign all three. How do the Patriots pay for all three of those guys? do you see any world where they that this actually comes to fruition
1: 12 24 37 million a year is what I'm seeing right there out of those three guys
0: 37 million a year mm-hmm. and
1: Yannick, I could see being put on a, a, a very one of those contracts where it'd be like, we'll give you 10 mil and then we're going to throw in like $5 million worth of incentives. You know what I mean? Uh, Make sure you get over 10 sacks, make sure that, you know, this and that and tackle wise and, and pro bowl honors, things of that nature. Um, Johnu Smith is dude. Seriously. That would be, that would be a massive, uh, that, That right there, that free agency would be massive for New England. That'd be great. Oh, my goodness.
0: Yeah, we've seen a lot of links to Hunter Henry. You know, like that's – that's and and I still think he's going to re-sign with the Chargers, to be honest with you, even though they didn't franchise him. I still think that's going to happen. But I've seen a lot of the links to Hunter Henry, but a lot of the fan base has been just pounding their chest for Johnu Smith, uh, even over Hunter Henry. Yeah, Hunter Henry – or, I'm sorry, Johnu Smith –
1: is more reliable all the way around he's a good blocker uh he's he's got good yak after he you know after he catches the football uh he's got the speed to to do you know stretch the middle of the field when needed. I like Johnny Smith I like Johnny Smith over Hunter Henry but uh, I feel like Hunter. Hunter's gonna cost more do you I do I do I really because he's got more of a name in the NFL. But I still think that I'd rather have John o. Smith.
0: See, and that's my, always my concern going into free agency. Like the moment Emmanuel Sanders got released, people were like, Emmanuel Sanders, Emmanuel Sanders, Emmanuel Sanders, like give him whatever he wants. And I'm like, well, let's park it for a second. I'm like, you know, I'm trying to make my assessment. Is Emmanuel Sanders still Emmanuel Sanders or is Emmanuel Sanders a name attached to what Emmanuel Sanders used to be? Right. Like, I mean, I know he's still a productive wide receiver and, you know, he'd be. If you sign Emmanuel Sanders today, he could be the best receiver on the New England Patriots. But saying that, that's not saying a lot, right? Like, it's not saying a lot. Um, The funniest thing I saw was because I I named the the film room on, on Saturday. I named it, you know, Jacoby Myers Patriots best receiver film room. And the first comment was, well, it's not hard to be the best receiver on the New England Patriots. <laughs> um, I got to give a shout-out to Go-Kart Kid. He just said, with money, when I asked how do the Patriots pull that off. I love it. Um, apparently, it's Ngakwe. That's how we uh, – Yeah, it's Ngakwe. Yeah. so in Gokwe. Uh I know I'll get it wrong. Um. trying to trying to find another comment here Uh, Mike says I think Bill could attract quite a few defensive free agents on the cheap is there any defensive free agents right now that pop to your mind that you think would be a good fit for the Patriots (laughs) yeah but um that would come cheap? <laughs>
1: no. <laughs> no. Um, first off, a lot of your good defensive free agents right now are either A, older, which might come cheaper, but or B, coming off their rookie contracts. If they're coming off their rookie contracts, they are not going to come cheap. They're going to want their first big payday, especially guys like, let's say Anthony Walker Jr., he was a fifth-round pick. He made hardly jack or squat. You know what I'm talking about. They, they're lucky to make a million dollars over the course of their first four years of their rookie contract, and then they have a name for themselves for their play for the first four years. They're looking for a payday, that first that first contract. So guys coming off their you know rookie contract generally are not going to come cheap. Um, guys who have already had the, con- the best time to get somebody on a cheap are guys that have they're off their second contract guys that have already gotten that big payday but are still young enough to realize you know what I could get one more payday one more good contract but I want to sign with a team that I have a shot at doing something in the postseason with so uh, I don't see a whole lot of 28 29 year old defensive free agents Most of them are in that 25, 26 or the 32 plus, you know, like Sherman and and guys like that. So, but obviously you don't need a Sherman, but.
0: Well, we might, I mean, we're probably going to trade Stefan Gilmore, right? Maybe. But I I wouldn't take Sherman. I'm also thinking that a Gilmore trade is becoming less and less likely. Um, Mainly because a, the contract is an issue because he wants a new one, but B, there's a lot of people concerned about that injury, about that quad. There's a lot of people who are a lot of, that's apparently, like I'm saying, it's getting difficult to to navigate Boston media right now, because it's becoming more toxic than usual. Like it's, it's even the good guys are like Mike Reese, like the only one left, him and Jeff Howe, who aren't just completely full of toxicity right now. So Logan Baker asks, is Corey Davis still an option? Now I'm going to let you talk to Corey Davis, but I need to make a point here. I would love to talk to Corey Davis. Can you get him on the phone for me? <laughs> talk on Corey Davis. But I'm I need to make a point here. Okay. I was the biggest Corey Davis fanboy heading into January. I came out and made a an entire half an hour video all by myself about how I want Corey Davis. I talked about calling Bill Belichick on Snapface and Insta chat, you know, to tell him Corey Davis is the man. And then I brought an Indianapolis Colts fan onto the channel. He's sitting right over there. And I asked him to do a film room for me, all excited that he was going to say, Ray, you're absolutely right. Here's Corey Davis. And I walked away so disheartened after that, that film room. So disheartened. And I'm going to let you talk about some of the issues with with Corey Davis, um, especially around his cuts and stuff. But um, I I walked away very, very disheartened about Corey Davis, and Curtis Samuel became my go-to after that.
1: Look, I'm not going to say Corey Davis is trash. There's a lot of good stuff about Corey Davis. He's got good speed. He's got good hands. He's he's a willing blocker. Uh, I think he could stretch a defense like nobody's business. But let's just face it. He's going to have issues getting open when it if you don't have a true number one opposite of him because of the simple fact that he doesn't know how to adjust his speed when he makes his turn. Kind of similar with the Jacoby Myers situation, only 10 times worse, okay? I, I noticed that Jacoby was working on it as the season progressed. I Corey Davis has been in the league long enough. He should know how to make those speed cuts. And if you don't make those speed cuts properly, you end up not only taking yourself out of the equation when it comes to your route for the quarterback to throw to you, you end up taking another guy or two out, you know, that's out there at the reception option.
0: You showed a couple of examples where he almost had a head-on collision with his own receiver. Mm -hmm. Um, One one you showed, and he took like an eight-yard cut. It was disgusting, like an eight-yard cut. And you're explaining that, you know, two, three yards at the most, at the most, you know, like three is high. Like it should be a one to two yard cut. He took an eight yard cut trying to come across. And even on his most brilliant plays, and you wouldn't point it out, you could still see Mm -hmm. he didn't, he couldn't plant his foot.
1: Now, I don't know if that, if that, that could be an issue that he had last year maybe he rolled his ankle and uh you know before the season started and it never healed up properly so he wasn't able to make those cuts that's just what i saw on the film you know and i have to go by what i see and that's what i saw now don't get me wrong he is a fearless receiver the man will go in between three defenders to catch a football and come down with it he will do that i was amazed at that fact but good lord man if you can if you can't cut proper Um, you're hurting the entire team. So yeah, I'm a little worried about that.
0: Is there also a concern about signing a guy who's coming off a career year who the team had decided prior to that, that they weren't going to pick up his fifth round option. And even if it's not for huge money, if you're making a long-term investment, you're starting to talk dead cap. I, my fear of Corey Davis, after thinking about it, after watching your film room was, this guy could become dead weight very quickly. Yeah.
1: Um, it's same situation. If a guy is underperforming his first three years, and then all of a sudden he starts to explode on your offense or defense or whatever it is that you're you know he's playing. For instance, him at wide receiver. You don't just look at his performance, you look at other things on the team that might have helped him play better. And the simple fact of the matter is. He had A.J. Brown opposite of him, you know, and teams were scared to death of A.J. Brown, especially after his rookie season. So, you know, he got most and Corey Davis was no longer getting those double looks, you know, on defense as A.J. Brown was. So Corey was able to really light it up um, because easy, easy single coverage. Generally, if it was man to man, he wasn't uh, drawing their number one corner. He was drawing the number two corner. Um So there is multiple things to look at when it comes to Corey Davis. Could he have gotten legitimately that much better? Maybe, but I generally don't hang a hat on a, on, on the fourth year of a player. Usually you see that kind of a jump in their second or third year.
0: Uh, shout out to Ross. Thank you for the super chat says everyone wish law dog. That's Lawrence, uh, luck on his job interview. I don't think it's an interview, but I know you can't talk about it publicly. I know something you guys don't, but uh, it's a huge opportunity. I know I'm excited for you, and I hope that everything everything works out. Trust me, it's in an interview. They're hoping that Lawrence makes a decision that's best for them. So, but good luck and congratulations, no matter which way it goes. Congratulations on the opportunity. I'm um, so envious and jealous of you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about all that. I, I, I am. I, it is a great opportunity,
1: and I hope. That my circumstances allow me to take this opportunity. But I I worked for Sportscaster too, damn it. (laughs) i did a lot of stuff for sportscaster before i got into the the
0: the nfl news thing so yeah yeah, so did i so did i so did i but no, i get it no no i get it i get it sportscaster news was like the finalization of bringing this all together Mm -hmm. but i the actually your assignment was a lot cooler than mine was at the time too i was just a play-by-play guy right but uh you got to do that. So I hope it works out, man. Totally. No one's called me for play-by-play, by the way. Nobody. <laughs> nobody, said, <laughs> nobody said come do play-by-play for us. So that didn't work. But uh, no, I wish you the best of luck, man. Um, it's such a great opportunity. Can't tell you guys what it is yet. You may nope. never know. If he rejects it, you'll never know what the opportunity was. But I will say if he does take it, it's exciting news, man. And I wish you all the best and all the luck. And I can't, you know, I can't believe that I got this opportunity in the first place because
1: I didn't think I was all that good. But, you know, for someone to, to, to come to
0: me and approach me for something like this. Dude, I told you back in the day when we got together, I said, I don't really care. I'll say it now. I'll say it now because we're all done with everybody. There was four of us. And I said, without the four of us, Sportscaster is dead. You know what I mean? I And, and I meant it when I said it, right? Uh-huh. And you and I are two. I'm not going to say the other two so everybody else can assume it's them. You know what I mean? But there was four of us on that, that what 10 man team in, in general, you know what I mean? And, uh, that from an entertainment standpoint, from a knowledge standpoint, I'll toot my own horn. I don't care. I don't care, but I'll toot it for you, man. You deserve this opportunity. Um, like I said, I'm envious. I'm jealous i uh i want to know where my opportunity no but no i really you have almost
1: before. 10k subscribers you're good man yeah i know
0: but it, <laughs> no, just it's... get to your 20 and 50k
1: subscribers i bro.
0: love youtube i love youtube but i <laughs> need that ego stroke of, you know right before sportscaster canned me i got an opportunity to go exclusive somewhere else and i was like oh i just signed an exclusive contract with sportscaster sorry and then two months later i got canned and i was like can I still be exclusive? But then it was an app that's already crashed out anyway, so I would have been unemployed again anyhow. So here we are on YouTube enjoying this time. Um, you and I haven't talked about this yet, I don't believe. But the Boston Sports Fan 88 is saying, Ray, are we signing Cam so we don't have to wait last second, or are we starting him? Lawrence, without even, I know you've probably heard, you've, I know you've heard my opinion on this, but without even, you know, me going into it, and I'll get into my opinion after what was your reaction to the Patriots signing Cam Newton?
1: It was what one year, 14 mil total.
0: Yeah. And I think it's only like 6 million really guaranteed everything else is incentive.
1: It made me re- it made me think, and, and it was my instantaneous reaction. My tweet went out immediately it almost guarantees that the Patriots are going to go after a quarterback in the draft. Almost guaranteed it because they, they're they sticking with someone who knows the system and uh, knows the players around them, who is a veteran and a proven leader in the locker room. That tells me that they're going to go after someone fresh and new in the draft to go in and possibly fight for the starting position. You know, I, I'm not going to say that you know, they're drafting to start this season, but I got a feeling that you're going to expect them to be very aggressive in the draft when it comes to the quarterback.
0: I haven't even discredited Jimmy Garoppolo coming back to the Patriots or discounted. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo coming back to the Patriots, this contract is so set up that the Patriots can still bring in another quarterback if Mm -hmm. they so please And, and draft a quarterback. And I look, I think I said in January, my ideal situation would be having Jimmy Garoppolo, Cam Newton, and a rookie quarterback, and even Jared Stidham all in training camp together. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. let, you know, let the four of them battle it out. Stidham didn't perform on the field, but he's been in the system now two years. So he can drop his knowledge on people. Um, I think Stidham needs to start learning how to be a backup quarterback because he's probably going to be a career backup. So he's got to start learning how to do that. And this is the perfect opportunity for him to do that. So I'm not even I'm not even discounting that. Um I think, and I want your I want to know if you agree with me. I believe that Belichick knew free agency starts Wednesday.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Technically, it starts tomorrow, right? Wednesday, Campering. everything. Be, Everything becomes official Wednesday. Tomorrow is normally the big guys are are done before Wednesday rolls around, right? That's when we start hearing by Monday, all the guys who are leaving their teams are going to say goodbye by Tuesday. We're going to hear they have a deal in place. This team has a deal in place. This team has a deal in place. So we may not have anything official Monday and Tuesday, but we'll know there's contracts being signed. Bill Belichick could not go into Monday leading into Wednesday without a quarterback at the helm with that empty seat. You couldn't go in with Jared Stidham and say, trust me. That's like my dude. Trust me. with my sources. You can't go in and say, dude, trust me. We're going to fill the quarterback spot. Cam Newton, forget his play for a second. Just him as a person
1: Mm -hmm.
0: builds a trust factor with the other, with the other free agents. And they had to have at least him there. And I think Belichick can say, Hey, worst case scenario. We have Cam Newton. Best case scenario, we're working on something, and that's how you attract a Curtis Samuel or a Kenny Galladay on top of the money you're paying them. Because you know people have talked about Alan Robinson, who I know is franchise tag now, but people are like, "Well, Alan Rob, bring in Alan Robinson." I'm like, Alan Robinson can make the same money and stay in Chicago and be almost in the same situation in, in, in New England. He's not signing with New England, but with Cam Newton there, perhaps you can. And with the promise of, "Hey, we're trying to get better than this. That's our worst. That's our backup plan." Allen Robinson, maybe, probably not, but maybe starts, you know, at least thinking about it. Agree or disagree? Well,
1: if other NFL players are looking at it like I am, then yes, it, it it is attractive because it is showing that Bill Belichick is seriously taking the quarterback position aggressively. He understands the importance of it. So he's doing something about it. He, the, he, uh, like you said, if nothing else, Cam is a fallback option. Okay. You need to have that when you don't have it. Cause I don't care guys. I don't think Stidham is a fallback option. He should not be a fallback option at all. Um, I, I could see him being that scout team quarterback, but I don't see you, you, you wanting to be, you know, Uh Uh-oh, something happened. Now we got to start Stedham for 17 games. No, no. Um, Cam at least gives you a fighting chance. Um, And if other teams or, or other free agents are out there and sees that, and they're like, okay, so they're aggressively wanting to make sure the quarterback position is filled properly. They're probably still looking. They may get somebody else. So Cam is our bottom line in New England with potential to get better, yes, that at least gives them an opportunity to, to go, okay, so New England is an option.
0: I said on Friday night, Connor and I called an emergency podcast. It's an emergency live podcast to talk about this because we couldn't wait till today to do it. Um, I said on Friday night, I said, there could be worse things than going into this season with, with Cam Newton as your quarterback. Obviously, it's not the ideal everybody knows that I've been harder on Cam Newton than anybody else, right? Especially on this, this platform of Dear Pats Nation. Um, do you think that going into free agency, saying that's worst case scenario with Cam Newton, is a stronger case than going in with Ryan Fitzpatrick or Jameis Winston or Jacoby Bursette in that seat? Because they could have made those deals on, on Monday very early. You know, deal in place and then start talking to the other guys during the tampy period.
1: If you go out and sign a free agent from another team, that gives you the look of this is what we're settling for. You're re signing someone who was just there the year before, not for a big contract. That tells you something completely different. If they would, if Bill would have signed Fitzpatrick. Or Brissette or someone like that. That kind of gives that op that that look of okay. Well, we're going to try another uh, same year situation that we went through last year, only with a different mid tier quarterback.
0: So what I have said is assuming that the Patriots do make an improvement on offense and defense, that they actually can stop the run. I always say the Patriots defense is a lot closer to being elite than, and I mean, people like, I always say the Patriots defense was really good last year. Like they're close to being a, an elite defense again, especially with guys like Kyle Van Noy and them available. Um, I think that we're going to see Danny Shelton, Jamie Collins, Kyle Van Noy. We're going to run back the boogeymen in the defensive line from 2019. So I'm not really worried about the defense. You can draft, pick up some guys. You'll be okay. I assume the offense is going to be better too. I said, worst case scenario now with Cam Newton, you're talking eight or nine wins. I assume you're going to improve from those seven wins. Best case scenario, you're at 12 or 13. That's best case scenario. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm saying that's best case scenario. Worst case scenario, you're not losing more games than last season with an improved offense unless Cam Newton just completely falls off the you know, off the cliff. And then perhaps you are looking at a Mac Jones or a Trey Lance, who is a young quarterback going, you know what? Can you Justin Herbert it for us? Get out there. You know, let me see. Because I look at the Chargers who won, what, five games or something last year? And uh, I don't think there's a single Chargers fan who was upset about last season. They were like, man, yeah, things didn't work, but our coach is gone. We got a young quarterback. Let's go, right? And I think that with Patriot fans, we'd be okay with that. So I completely agree. I think that you need – you needed Cam Newton – I think there was a loyalty perspective to that as well. Now I want to ask you this question and then we'll get back to the chat. I know there's some super chats popping up here, but I want to ask you this question. If you're a player and you're looking, you're a free agent you're looking to be a free agent and you're looking at Cam Newton's contract. Okay. I think it's six, five or 6 million. You know what I mean? I think there's only like three and a half guaranteed. Then he's got roster bonuses. So say 6 million. Everything else is incentive. And we're talking making the playoffs is an incentive. Uh, Being a pro bowler is an incentive. Getting into the Super Bowl, Super Bowl MVP. Like Cam Newton bet on himself to make money this year. Does that at all give you confidence as a a wide receiver or tight end looking going like, dude, you know, Cam's still Cam and... He can be on himself. And are we going to see extra motivation? Cause last year was different. Last year was a COVID year for everybody. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, at, at last year, the teams that were in the final four were probably the teams you expected to be in the final four. Cause of the year we had three of them are the three best quarterbacks in the NFL, you know, and the other one is Josh Allen. Right. And I almost said the other one was Patrick Mahomes just to be a, a guy, but you know, but you know we thought, okay Allen took his step but were you, were you at all surprised to see Kansas City Tampa Bay and Green Bay in the final 4 we talked about it the Tampa Bay will start slow and then Tom Brady will slowly build his way up and, and become Tom Brady again this year not saying that these guys can't be the final 4 again um i could very i, I they probably will be the final 4 again but it's going to be a little bit more of a normal year. Longer term, a little bit more. I know that it's not still going to be the same OTAs and stuff, but a little bit more togetherness, that kind of thing. Um, I do believe that that there is a difference between the season. So if you're a player looking at it, are you motivated by Cam betting on himself or are you just like you bet on yourself because nobody else would sign you?
1: Oh, no, 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 no. Okay, so uh, the incentives does help because. N- Every player, every person in the world who has an incentive-based salary is going to try to over overachieve. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I've done piecework in my life. I don't know if anyone else has, but I've worked for a factory where I got paid seven cents for every item that I dropped out there. And so was I sitting there being lazy and dropping out three or four every hour? No, I was doing the best that I possibly could to make that money now cam newton's in that same situation receivers tight ends guys like that they know that they see that they're going to they're going to know that cam's going to be out there doing the best he can to not only uh play well but improve upon himself from last season so yeah i mean it has an effect on how you view uh, Cam Newton.
0: Well, Yeah, and I make that comparison just to what you and I do right now. I mean, when we had the guarantee from Sportscaster, it was like, yeah, okay, you're going to, you want a half an hour show. I remember at like 31 minutes, I'd be like, guys, <laughs> you know what I mean? We've done our, you <laughs> yeah. know, we've done our 30 minutes. Let's go. Uh, as soon as we get dropped, and it's like, okay, now I am based on views, I'm based on this. It's like, I got to grind this out a little bit more. You know what I mean? And I'm assuming that quarterback, you know, football players are the same. They're like, we got to grind this out and make sure we're hitting. Okay, I want to jump to the chat here. I know I'm missing some super chats here. Shade or uh, Ross puts out shades uh, like my new painting of your new favorite quarterback. He sent me a painting of Chad Kelly. I wasn't, I just liked it. I didn't engage in the uh, in 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 the comment with it because I just thought, oh, oh my gosh. Let's um, give me a sec here. Well, there was a lot of there was a lot happening in that time that we were talking. I think we talked too much, so we'll jump in. We got one more super chat. Always want to make sure we get those. Uh, most media Buckley said BB should burn his resume. I don't know if you saw that today. So, uh, again, this is what I'm talking about. The Boston media is getting, and thank you very much, Ross. Uh, always appreciated. Uh, the Boston media is getting so toxic, right? Like so toxic. And yeah, basically said today that Tom Brady proved that Bill Belichick, uh, is nothing and should burn his resume and just, uh, You know, and it all stemmed down to him bringing back Cam Newton and said that signing Cam Newton reeks of desperation for the Patriots. And I don't disagree that this reeks of desperation. I'm just like, what do you want him to do? Sign Chad Kelly and see if he's, you know call the Colts is he still a Colt call the Colts and say can you trade me for Chad Kelly because Wikipedia still has him listed as a quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts oh no no
1: no no Um, uh, no he's not he was he was a practice squad guy Um, but I don't think he's with the Colts right now Uh, I don't think he was with the Colts starting last season I think he's been a free agent all of 2020
0: so yeah so yeah so that was my thing it's like it did wreak a desperation but I mean what like it's getting ridiculous now, right? Bell check should burn his resume.
1: Yeah, that's it's stupid.
0: I mean, come on. I mean, what does
1: Boston have good writers and media guys, or are they all just clickbait
0: crazy people? <sighs> it's beginning to feel like the fan base as well. It's just beginning to be the because
1: <laughs> I mean, really think about it, guys. I mean, you can't can't base another player. I don't care who it is on how they do on another team. Otherwise, the what-ifs are going to eat you alive for the rest of your life. I mean, it all has to do with scheme. It has to do with situation. It has to do with timing. It has to do with a lot of stuff. I mean, good. For instance, right now, the Indianapolis Colts, three years ago, grabbed a defensive end uh, from the, at the time, Oakland Raiders. His name was Danico Autry. Um, in the three years with the Indianapolis Colts, he played very well as a starter. Had had a bunch of sacks. Good, good against the run. Now he's a free agent. Guess what? I have seen rumors that the Patriots are seriously in on Danico Autry this year. You know, in free agency. I kind of like the fit. Um, he will bring some pass rush and he can stop the run. He's decent against the run. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't have an issue with that. But the thing is, is back when he was a Raider, he wasn't doing hardly jack squat. No one knew anything about him. Now that he's done with his tenure as a Colts, people know who he is. That happens with players all the time. You can't take what Tom Brady did with Tampa Bay and throw it in New England's face. It's just not right. And and it has no bearing on what New England did last year.
0: No, I mean, and Patriot fans know that better. Look at Kyle Van Noy. His career was over in Detroit. I mean, he talks about how he pretty much felt like his NFL career was over. And that man got paid in Miami. Now, he got cut very early, but he got paid in Miami. Now, I'm going to pop up this comment and let you make sense of it. I know what he's getting at, but it's a horrible comparison. So, Pat Riley says, Why not pay Dak $6 and guaranteed and $40 millions a year in incentives? Because Cowboys believe in Dak and Patriots and nobody believes in can. Uh, the kid is in camp. The uh, The kid in his camp was right. So we're talking to 27-year-old Dak Prescott to a 32-year-old Cam Newton. And by the way, um, Dak bet on himself last year, too, by forcing the franchise tag. And, and, he, got and he got hurt. And he wasn't winning games either. So, I mean, th- th- there's a lot to unpack there. I get it. I get you're wanting to hate on Bill Belichick, but I think this is actually a terrible comparison, but I'll, I'll drop it to you, Lawrence.
1: I think it's a stupid contract, personally. I don't I don't like the Dak Prescott contract. Uh, I understand where you're coming. I, <sighs> Dak Prescott right now is currently, has been top five in stats the last three years in the NFL right not in wins but in stats and that's what his camp has been using for cam on the other hand is nearing you know that second part of his career maybe the ending part of it unless he's able to change himself into a pocket quarterback cuz you know that's that early 30s is that situation for scrambling quarterbacks where you need to learn how to change quickly um this could be that that contract of all right I don't know what the incentives are. Maybe the incentives are you need at least 3,000 yards passing. You need at least 20, 20 touchdowns passing. You know, stuff like that to help him really work on his passing game. I don't know, but going from one quarterback or any player's contract to another player's contract is is ridiculous because, again, the situations are different.
0: And I'm not even saying I believe in Cam Newton. You know what I mean? Like I said, I've been the biggest Cam Nathan uh, Hooter on the Dear Pats Nation channel. I'm not even saying I believe in Cam. I just don't like those kind of comparisons, right? Like, I can tell you that Cam brought a team to a Super Bowl. Dak Prescott hasn't, you know? Um, Well, you know, and it's funny because as fans, not just the Patriots fan base, all fan bases, it's funny how sometimes, like, I always say stats can be manipulated, arguments can be manipulated, all that kind of thing, right? I bet you in this situation, well, wins won't matter, right? But then as the, soon as someone says, Tom Brady's not the GOAT, you go seven Super Bowl championships, right? Well, you know, like, well, if wins don't matter, then those wins don't matter. Or do they matter, right? Like, And, and we go through that all the time where we, we always change the bar of the argument of what's, what's relevant and what's yeah. irrelevant in an argument. You know, I, mean, I was – look, I'm going to say this. Philip Rivers, in my mind – is a Hall of Famer, okay? But I am going to say that Philip Rivers probably had one of the more disappointing careers ever, and some of it is his fault, you know? Like, where he wasn't able to elevate his team to that next level. Whereas, people are going to hate to hear this, on two separate occasions, Eli was. You know? Like, Eli, on two separate occasions, raised his game, Got to the Super Bowl. And sometimes that's all you have to do is get to the Super Bowl. And it's. Weren't they like the sixth seed when they did that? Yeah. Got to the (laughs) Super Bowl. Raised his game for three games. That's all you need, right? Um, So it all goes down, you know, and to me it, it always, you know, I had a Cowboys fan argue with me. Once we get him and I got this heated argument. I know we got to, we got to wrap this up because I got to go rest for the nine o'clock, but we had this heated argument because he was trying to tell me that Tony Romo was like one of their top three quarterbacks of all time. And I was like, not a chance is Tony Romo your top three, one of your top three of all time. And we start going through the list of quarterbacks that, but then he starts Starbuck, but he starts showing stats Right? And it's why Tony Romo was always one of the best fantasy picks in the world because you don't in fantasy wins don't matter. In fantasy stats matter. Tony Romo's stats are phenomenal.
1: Oh yeah. I've, phenomenal. I've, I love Tony Romo. Uh he just didn't have the it factor when it when it when it went blah excuse me. When it mattered.
0: Well, and a couple That's of his former team a couple of his former teammates have said that as well. Like when he is you know, on TV when he's doing the caller now and he's calling the plays, or like Tony could always do that. He just didn't know how to execute them. Mm-hmm. Um, when to hit the super chat here, King Cato says I would take Cleveland Belichick over most of his replacement options. Um, Hey, you know what? Um, if you actually look at Cleveland Belichick, it, it wasn't as bad as people like to make it out to be. He had them on track of, uh, of going forward. Cato again, thank you so much. Says the two Eli Super Bowls. Was it him or was it Coughlin beating Brady? I- again, it, some of it is him, right? It, we always try to discredit people. Was it Belichick or Brady? Was it Eli or Coughlin? At the end of the day, the guys on the field got to execute, right?
1: Now, I'm sorry, man, that play that Eli did getting out of all those, uh, like the entire defensive line that blitzed him, should have been sacked somehow was able to get out of it and then off his back foot throw that heaving ball downfield everyone says great catch oh my god amazing mean catch but what Eli did in that situation yeah that was that was Eli making that happen you know he stepped his game up as you said when
0: it mattered most so i see a lot of people saying it was the giants defense you know the giants got carried by the defense mhm does that mean that Super Bowl 53, Brady was carried by the defense?
1: I'm not going to post in this because I said this once already and I got chewed for it for about a week. Did you? <laughs> yeah.
0: I'm not even trying to be. I'm just I'm making the comparison, right? Because mm-hmm. I, I don't think so. I thought that Brady, you know, what Brady right. did against what Brady did against Kansas City offensively is what got them to the Super Bowl uh-huh. on the back of Sony Michelle, by the way, guys who just you know had an unbelievable postseason. Um, but again, see though, but that's the argument, right? Well, no, it couldn't have been the defense helping Brady, but Eli only got there because of the defense. And, and it, look, it's an argument I'm never going to win. Um, fan is short for fanatic, and I accept that. And I'm trying to wrap up the show and people are just dropping. This all the time. James says, I don't understand all the hate that Bill gets. Name one coach that has won without great players. How many Super Bowl wins did Shula have with Marino? And I say this all the time. Phil Jackson, you know, like go through the whole list of of, of winners. You have great players somewhere, whether it's on the offensive side, the defensive side, great players make great coaches. Great coaches make great players. Together they form something that becomes special does it not like is Bruce Arians a bad coach no he's a really good coach on the borderline of being a great coach and putting them together Andy Reid didn't win a Super Bowl till he got Patrick Mahomes right well some of
1: these great coaches out there they're great because they can bring the best out of the players that they have so You know, I mean, when you're looking at Bill Belichick, he was able to bring the best out of a lot of players, not just Tom Brady. I mean, there was a lot of players out there. It took a lot of players to win all those Super Bowls that New England got. It wasn't just Tom Brady that did that.
0: He was a big part of it. He was a a monster part of it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the problem. There's too many people that say it was like that, that think it was all Tom Brady you know, and it it wasn't, there was moments that Mm -hmm. it was Tom Brady. There was moments that it was Adam Vinatieri. There was moments that it was the defense. There was moments that it was, if Dante Hightower doesn't tackle Marshawn Lynch, the Patriots don't win the Super Bowl. If Malcolm Butler, the next play doesn't intercept Russell Wilson, the Patriots don't win the Super Bowl. If, if
1: the defense didn't crack down in the second half, that 21-point comeback would never
0: happen. The If Hightower doesn't force that fumble against Matt mm-hmm. Ryan, it definitely doesn't happen. If you think about the Julio Jones catch and then the sack by Trey Flowers in the holding call against against Long, that being said, if Brady's not completing those passes they don't win the Super Bowl. If Edelman doesn't make the Edelman catch, they don't win the Super Bowl. It takes 52 players, or at the very least, 22 players, 11 on offense, 11 on defense. And I know there's special teams. Don't make me do the math right now. But if it's not all those different things, you know, if you go back to Super Bowl 53, I was trying to make an argument that the punter should have been considered for Super Bowl MVP because in a tight game, The field position he was making Jared Goff with was awful because he was punting so well. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, I remember, you know, if you listen to that mic'd up moment, little things that we don't think about as fans sometimes. The roof was open for a flyover, and Belichick was asking, when's it going to be closed? And they said, well, it should be closed before kickoff. And he goes, well, there's a wind factor now. And I'm like, it's the opening kickoff. You know what I mean? But it's like, he's worried about the wind, wind on the opening kickoff of the game and the, you know, the opening drive of the game, whereas it's going to close up and go away. So
1: this is why I love the NFL and football in general, because it is a team sport. It is the ultimate team sport. You have a ton of players out there all having to do their jobs. Some people have very important jobs in that group setting. Obviously the quarterback has a very good, important job in that setting. But without the other guys of the team, he ain't doing Jack, you know? I mean, that's just all
0: there is to it. So I think the Super Bowl this year proved that with Patrick mm -hmm. Mahomes. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, I'm just going to disagree with snap time. He says it wasn't Eli or Coughlin. It was David Tyree. And I get what you're saying. That was one Super Bowl. That was also the same giants defense though, that stopped the, first of all, undefeated Patriots and the hottest offense in the NFL record setting offense to 14 points. So it had a little bit to do with Coughlin. (laughs) Ross says, I learned FC Bayern shades. We're going to have a big FIFA standoff. So, uh, he's just getting in the shots. Uh, law love your analysis race you again at nine thank you very much mike i appreciate that and with that being said we appreciate all of y'all (laughs) hit that like button subscribe (laughs) i never say that i always forget um guys make sure you go check out lawrence lawrence take this opportunity let the people this is one of our highest we got 231 concurrent viewers right now we hit up the 270 today let the 230 people currently watching us and the people who will watch after let them know where they can find you
1: you can find me on twitter at colts underscore law same with instagram i have also a colts law page on facebook and on YouTube, I have my own YouTube channel. has over a 1,000 subs now. Um, actually, I'm, I'm about 1050 now. Uh, it's Lawrence Owen right here. Lawrence Owen, that's the name of the channel. Uh, I've got just as many Patriots fans that come into my channel on my live streams at the beginning as I do Colts fans. So have have at it, man. I'd love to have you there. I, I always love having people there giving their opinions on stuff.
0: I was on Lawrence's show last week and I'm going to say 80% of that chat was, was my audience, which is now your audience. So it was fantastic. Uh, Lawrence is always appreciative. you on Lawrence. will be back with us this Wednesday at 7 PM Eastern time, unless he books himself like crazy. And uh, let's take advantage of this before he takes this new job. and doesn't have time for us anymore. starts big time in us. Now I appreciate you, man, guys. I'll be back in 50 minutes with Connor. Uh, I got to go eat, rest the voice, gargle some salt. Take care. See ya.